Welcome to Untold Physio Stories, a podcast that informs and educates by connecting you to rehab industry leaders who share their candid successes and failures in business and practice. Welcome back to Untold Physio Stories. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. E, with the Eclectic Approach, Modern Manual Therapy, Edge Mobility System, and Modern Rehab Mastery, our new online mentoring program. And my co-host, who's also a mentor in that mentoring program. Uh, Dr. Andrew Rothschild, physical therapist, uh, modern uh, modern manual therapy, modern patient education. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm doing well, Erson. How are you? I'm doing well. So... We always talk about loading and uh, we've often talked about tendinopathies and a lot of times I get trolled. Like in a particular video that I shared from about a year and a half ago, there was a really jacked physical therapist who had been working on his rotator cuff tendinopathy or what he said was a rotator cuff tendinopathy uh, or an impingement or something like that in his right shoulder at my course. And he couldn't do push-ups. That was like his pre and post kind of litmus test that we chose. We loaded it up with repeated cervical retraction and side bending. I taught him how to do it with end range, a little isometrics to make it pain-free. And then he was able to overpressure pain-free, did about 20 sets. Uh, it was like a 40-second video. And then all of a sudden, he was able to do push-ups pain-free for the first time in a year or so, six months, something a long enough time that a physical therapist should be able to dress on his own. And, you know, immediately one of the first comments was, oh, that's just neuromodulation. And if it's a tendinopathy, you didn't really load it and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, look, he already treated it like it was a tendinopathy. I mean, you weren't there at the course to take his whole history and everything. It's just like a 40 second video from a snippet of a course. And also as a physical therapist and one who actually works out very regularly, you know, he told me that he, he already tried loading it. So I think... Tendinopathy research is great, and uh, occasionally it makes me wonder, uh, because actually that comment, even though it upset me at the time, I just thought to myself, maybe I don't load things as much. Maybe I, when I make them pain-free and after just a few end-range loading repeated resets and they seem to be able to go back to function, maybe I should follow up with them in a little bit um, more than just once or twice more to make sure they're doing their home exercise program and make sure they got back to their sport or activity. You know, maybe uh, I should really check a couple other type of more functional tests rather than just have them do, you know, like five or 10 pushups and then go go on their word that they're going to return to workout. So with that in mind, I had a, a gymnast that I treated a couple weeks ago with what seemed to be like an acute tricep strain. It was painful right around uh, just proximal and distal to her uh, olecranon. And it hurt mostly when she was tumbling or when she was holding a handstand um, and uh, especially going over the table on vault. She has to do a couple tumbling passes and then kind of go over the vault. And then uh, so any, anything where her elbow was extended or she had to, you know, be weight bearing in a upper quarter, um, using her upper quarter to weight bear, it was painful. Uh, the first time I tested it, I couldn't reset it. I tried some men range loading strategies, tried wrapping it. It really just seemed acute because when she came to me with it, it was only maybe about two or three days old. Uh, luckily, it was right around Easter break. 
and uh, she was able to get maybe four days off in a row because normally I think she might be practicing six days a week, and that's a lot. <laughs> so after uh, after rest, uh, she said it went down from um, maybe a f seven out of ten in activity, and it was uh, to the point right before I saw her, it was also f four out of ten at rest even like it was actually escalating she was feeling it in school just sitting there not doing anything um, and it was also her left arm and she's right-handed so it's not even like she was writing with it all day um, so after she came back from break it was a two out of ten it was intermittent um, and then i went to go test it and break test was a little weak but i also like testing through the range and testing through the range like basically starting with her elbow almost fully flexed on the right side she was able to push me away um, quite a bit. And with her left side, there was a lot of shakiness. Uh, you know, she couldn't quite push me away through the range. And I think it's one of the things that is just kind of glazed over in manual muscle testing is we often do isometric brake tests and very rarely do we ever test through the range. So I, I like to test through the range, um, especially when someone I think is kind of ready to go back to sport. Do you ever test through the range or you mostly just sticking to brake tests? No, I test uh, when I did my you know residency and stuff through Ola Grimsby. We did like sort of like three position muscle testing, so like a mid position, shortened position, lengthened position, which was mm -hmm. sort of like their way of you know getting a, a a general through the range type test to see if um, there was a differences in terms of especially symptomology. Um, right. That's how I and do I think it. that's right, and I think that's smart too. I mean, you know, we just learned these like static fixed positions that probably puts puts most muscles in the best length tension relationship, which is probably ideal for the majority of tests. But I think um, you can miss a lot if you don't test through the range. So when I, uh, I would have graded her maybe like a, a three through the range. And it's, it's hard because this is like very subjective, obviously, compared to like the standardized test at the one point, isometric point. So I, get, I gave her simply um, just eccentric isometric push-ups and eccentric isometric uh kind of tricep kickbacks with a dumbbell that she had at home and I expected and I, and I you know gave her that expectation that hey look this is probably this may have always been weak and potentially when you kind of ramped up practice for states um, that you were just overdoing it and the tendon got a little irritated or cranky because the muscles a little weak and the tendon took a little bit more load um, and often these things take a while. It's going to take a while to strengthen. And until it's it's as strong as it really needs to be, the tendon will continue to be a little cranky. Just don't push it more than four out of five. So she was good with uh, doing it. She had a lot of difficulty doing the eccentric push-ups. Um, I didn't get really a chance because we didn't have dumbbells there at the gym. But uh, with eccentric loading, she was really shaky on the way down. Uh, I follow up with her the next week, and she is 100% pain-free. And not all of her strength is back, but the majority of it is back. So I thought to myself, oh, you know, this is something that maybe three years ago, I just would have found some kind of loading strategy. I maybe wouldn't have thought of it as a tendinopathy, but this time I just thought, hey, you know what? I really want to return her to function. I want to make sure she's resilient and we're going to do this the right way. But it turns out that it's just after one week of eccentrics, she is completely pain-free in all activities and she's almost as strong. Hmm. So I'm not really sure. Yeah, yeah and that, that's the thing. Even with like, if you read um, Peter Meliaris's research or you listen to a couple of recent podcasts, I know you reviewed one of them um, recently uh, on social media. 
he even says that you know his evidence-based tendinopathy uh, treatment is when they looked at general exercises he reviewed one study when he looked at general exercises versus specific tendinopathy exercises the general exercises work just as well you know it didn't have to be like specific loading to the glute or whatever muscle they looked at so that that's just where i think you know i would probably still give her that but it really makes me question i mean obviously pain can be modulated rapidly but i just didn't expect her her pain, her um, function to come back so quickly and the majority of her strength to come back so quickly. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's, it, it's certainly interesting. And like I said, there's, there, I think there is some research that shows that there's sometimes a neurogenic component with some of these um, tendinopathies, especially looking at Achilles, I know, and plantar fascial stuff. And so how much of that is really neuromodulated versus a true, uh, you know, structural, um, neovascularization, nociceptive driven issue, you know, and maybe why can't that be a little bit of both, but one has more, maybe more of a dominant um, presentation on, on certain individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And granted, you know, she, she is already, she's, it's, it's mostly, um, she mostly uses her right arm. She doesn't use her left arm as much when she does one handed plants and things like that. So it could be that she only needed to strengthen it just enough, or maybe even just return motor control. But I was, I was surprised and I'd be hard to classify that as a pure tendinopathy because I would think that overall she'd be a bit more of a slow responder and need quite a bit more loading. I told her to keep up with it, but I don't even know if she did because it's hard for someone to keep up with something, even as an athlete, once you once you get back to full function. Right. Yeah. I've had some hamstring tendinopathy, like for whatever reason, hamstring tendinopathies that have actually been very rapid responders, much more so than I would think given... Um, the general advised timeframes for tendinopathy rehab being like three to four months. Right. And I think I, I understand why. And I think it's also that research is purely looking at it from a loading and isolation standpoint where they don't do anything else in terms of possibly like pain science type things where they decrease fear avoidance, where they don't do any other neuromodulatory effects like lumbar loading for the lower quarter or cervical loading for the upper quarter, things that could greatly enhance um, the ability to accept load right. and therefore increase compliance. So I think when you when you look at things in isolation, you might have slower uh, outcomes. Yeah. But it makes sense from a structural standpoint, for sure, that it would take a while. And that's how they're doing things with randomized controlled trials. It's a very structured, isolated type of investigation versus like a pragmatic trial, which would more resemble a regular clinical practice, which they're doing a lot now with manual therapy maybe haven't fully done that with a lot of other exercise interventions. Right, right. Yeah, I do like the multi-center trials that basically just give you a set, a, a type of patient to work on and then a a program that has to include certain things, but you can kind of do things your own way as opposed to, you know, three sets of P to A's and then you walk away. Like, like you would ever do that on someone, you know, like, hey, without even talking right. to this patient, I'm just going to walk in, <laughs> passively measure their straight leg raise, do three sets of PDA, lumbar PDAs, passively measure it again and leave without even having an inter- interaction. It almost does, it doesn't even make sense to even think of that as like a clinical interaction. Right. Yeah. All right. So where can people find you, Andrew? People can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at spear underscore physio. It's the uh, best place to find me on social media as well as uh, Modern Patient Education. All right. And he's also one of the mentors in Modern Rehab Mastery. That is our one-of-a-kind three-month 
um, online mastery program where you get modern manual therapy, Andrew's modern patient education, and Kyle Coffey's modern strength training or BFR. So check that out, modernrehabmastery.com. Check out all of my products. I just recently launched the Edge Mobility Star, a new little ISDM tool that is the Edge Tools BFF. It's a perfect complement for that. The Edge Mobility Gun, so you can save hundreds on our competitors that I won't necessarily name here. Uh, it's a percussion type manual therapy instrument. Untoldphysiostories.com, of course. Tell all your friends and colleagues about our podcast. Make sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. You can go to subscribe to your various favorite sources like Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Podcasts on untoldphysiostories.com. Make sure to subscribe to my email list on themanualtherapist.com so you don't miss out on any of our weekly blog updates. So you can also get exclusive discounts on courses and products from Edge Mobility System. And as always, you have a great day.